Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Yes. Welcome into Balloon Party. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. With you here on 101 ESPN. And it's time to talk it over. Today, Jackson, is the day we go to QFTA. What is QFTA, you ask? What is QFTA? Why don't you tell the people? Tell it's, them. It's tell questions them. from the audience is what right. it is, Tim. That's exactly what it is. So people can email me, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I think I have an address here. Yeah, we're next week we're going to work on merging all of our emails. It, so it's going to take a week for you to merge our emails. Well, is that what you're telling starting me? Starting next week, I'm going I'm to... It'll take... I'm now angrier than a hornet with you right now. That's what I am. That's It's all right. I'm angrier than a hornet. I've never been this angry in my <laughs> life. Uh, I'm just acting like I'm angry just to buy time to get into my email, actually. But uh, what we do, and this is what we've done on the podcast, the Tim McKernan Show podcast, uh, is people just write in a variety of different either opinions or questions, and we read them, and it usually sparks a variety of different discussions. Also on the Tim McKernan Show podcast, historically, um, we've done interviews, and now we are able to be, bring people back into studio for interviews. And I've talked about this for a long time, and we're gonna play some of the clips of it. They have never been released, but Pat Maroon and I, he of South County, me of South City, we got together and did a podcast in June of 2020. Pat wasn't sure what he was gonna do. Didn't know what the state of the game was. Since we recorded these interviews, the man has won two chalices. So now he's got his name on the cup, three straight years. And by doing a podcast with me, it led him to two more Stanley Cups. That's what I do for people. Can't deny it. Thank you. Thank you. And I know he thanked me as he lifted the chalice. But in the, in the three interviews that Pat and I did for our podcast, before he then returned to Tampa and won two Stanley Cups, we interviewed David Freeze. We interviewed Lance Berkman, and we interviewed John Hamm. And so I was texting with Pat last week, and I go, hey, we're starting over at Hubbard with TMA on 105.7 HD2 FM, uh, heretofore known as 105 HD2 FM, The Plant, okay. uh, TMASTL.com, and then on YouTube from 7 to 10. And I'm like, hey, uh, I know you're busy playing and might win a fourth, um, you might, we never released the interviews. We've never released these interviews. I mean, David Freeze and Pat Maroon with me. I mean, you're talking about three hometown heroes in one interview. Three hometown heroes in one interview. It's never been released. Well, we got it. So it's time. Jackson, it's time. So we're going to do that next week. Hell While yeah. you are getting my email address together, <laughs> I am going to give the people that. And we will play some clips of that here on Balloon Party. In addition, Lance Berkman, who discusses what he considers to be the biggest regret of his life with me and Pat, which was a surprise, very candid interview. And John Hamm, who, uh, as you know, is a huge St. Louis sports fan, in particular a huge blues fan. And so, if anything, he might have been fanboying out more with Pat uh, than uh, Pat with 
John. And, of course, they were both really excited to be on with me. Uh, that had to be huge for both of their careers. Naturally. So so you've got that uh, coming your way. But we're going to be bringing more people in and playing clips of that on Balloon Party. That has been a segment of the Tim McKernan Show podcast since we started on October 1st, 2017. All kinds of long-form interviews on there. Um, if you have not heard them before, I love doing long-form interviews. And uh, we'll play clips of those here coming up on Balloon Party. On this presentation, we take questions from the audience. I guess we can make it a Friday staple. Dan McLaughlin's a Thursday staple. Um, And Jackson, then you have something regarding the upcoming college football playoff on a wager? Which intrigues me here. Now, don't give it away. I want you you today to get better at teasing. Right. But... Give me an idea of where you're going with this, because during TMA, I heard you typing away, and you, you, were, you were gathering data for a wager? Well, I want the audience and you to decide for yourself after I give some data about this wager. Okay. I'm kind of posing a question. And thought. this involves Alabama-Georgia Monday night. It sure does. All right. Are you looking forward to Alabama-Georgia Monday night? Big time. Really? Yeah. This is I pro- think a rematch sometimes loses its luster for people. I'm interested in it because I don't believe Georgia— was playing to their full potential against Alabama. Are you insinuating that they were throwing the game? No, not at all. All right. Not at all, but the the truth is that they are going to be in the playoff regardless if they won or lost that game. So So they were not as motivated as Alabama. I follow that reason, and I think that was why a lot of people were on Alabama. This time, the line started out at Georgia minus 2.5. Last time I checked, it was Georgia minus 3. Yeah, it's still there. And the total at 52 for the Mm -hmm. game. So uh, we will have that for you as well. If you ever want to participate... Uh, questions, comments, hate mail, anything is welcome. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Uh, it's QFTA. We do a, a blue version on the podcast. We will do a cleaner sports-oriented version here on 101 ESPN for Balloon Party. Now, this one's kind of sports business that we're going to lead off with here today. Um, did you see... Uh, Tim, good morning. Did you see where the athletic is being sold for five hundred fifty million dollars? Did you uh, did you see that action, Jackson? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I recall you saying you were excited about the idea, the idea of the athletic, when it started up, but you were skeptical that it would work. Do you feel like you were proven right or wrong? And does this make you feel better or worse about the future of sports writing? All right, Jackson, were you an athletic subscriber? Or are you? It's not like it's going away. It's just now going to have a new parent company. If I wanted to read some on there, I'd use my dad's login. You couldn't afford the dollar. <laughs> no, just, he had it, and he would give it to me. Um, I am a, an athletic subscriber. I'm a big Jeremy Rutherford fan of 101 ESPN, and he's just also the greatest guy going. Um, and so I read for uh, his blues stories. And I also enjoy the in-depth reporting. I mean, The Athletic was the one that broke the story on the Astros sign ceiling. That's that's one of the greatest investigative pieces. Yeah. Uh, that was a Rosenthal thing, uh, Manfred's guy. And so I have enjoyed The Athletic. So my observation on not thinking it was going to necessarily work was not an indictment of the idea. I like the idea. What I was concerned about was the price structure and 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 if it was something that would be able to be profitable. So that's where I was coming from on it. But I loved what they were doing because you had a bunch of companies. Fox Sports, I think, was the one that did it the most, got rid of all of its riders, 
and then just went with straight video. But it wasn't just video. It wasn't journalistic video. It was hot takery. It was, oh, we're going to get whoever this morning who was screaming at whoever this morning just taking the opposite side of an issue just for the sake of taking the opposite side of the issue. And then we'll put that up on the, the website. And then we'll hope to get clicks, which we will monetize all in the face of it being journalism, when in reality it was, it was essentially WWE theater, and it was all BS. And so a number of talented writers and sports journalists lost their job. Now, I am all for capitalism. And when it gets down to it, the name of the game is profit. Whether one likes it or doesn't, that's the reality. If you're not bringing in revenue, you don't have a job. That's the business. But it wasn't like these videos of the hot takery led to a substantial amount of revenue. And now, if I'm not mistaken, the site barely exists, if it does at all. It certainly isn't what they were hyping up initially. And I'm not talking about the athletic. I'm talking about what Fox Sports was doing. So then you had some guys on ESPN who also were out of work. Jason Stark would be one who is mm-hmm. now uh, the athletic. It, it stands out to me. So you have a bunch of talented writers being able to craft more in-depth stories and not just gamers, so to speak. Um, so in that sense, I love the product. I don't necessarily know the fact that it's sold for $550 million means that the venture itself was a huge success because you have to understand there is some debt being carried. It lost a lot of money last year. If a place is cutting rates, that isn't an indication that things are going well. Not that I'm telling you a, a tell here. This is Teddy KGB with the Oreo. You know, this is this is obvious. It's an obvious screaming tell. But I am telling you that as far as what it set out to do for sports writers, that's great. I will be curious what happens now as the Times buys it. And if the Times will, I know their goal is to get 10 million subscribers for its combination of the New York Times and the Athletic and whatever other properties it may have. They want 10 million subscribers for that recurring revenue. That's what they want. Recurring revenue, recurring revenue, the subscription. So even if it's only $1.99 or $4.99 a month, when you know you have recurring revenue, I don't know how many things I subscribe to and I just, because they're $4.99 or $2.99. Oh, yeah. And I'm just throwing money away yeah. because I can't even, I know I can track them down, but I don't spend the time. So I'm like, ah, oh, it's a dollar. Exactly. So the recurring revenue is what these places want. And if you can increase that by 25%, which is the goal of the transaction, then, then it makes sense. But will they cut people to then justify the $550 million expense? And will that which the athletics set out to be become the athletic itself? And by that, I mean... A newspaper because newspapers are fighting getting cut because vcs come in and they go yeah we don't really care about the journalism we care about the profit so xyz here is your buyout and now you're going to have one person writing columns as opposed to three and this is what you're going to deal with because there is no competition in the marketplace and so take it or leave it and if you don't like it that's fine you can leave too And I wonder if that is what's going to happen. And I hope that that does not happen. I hope that that does not happen. I don't want to see sports journalism turn into what political journalism has become. So from that standpoint, my hope is that I am wrong. My hope is that I am wrong. But my guess, if I had to wager on it, is that you are going to see them go, ah, okay, well now we're going to try to get more subscriptions, but we're going to sacrifice that. And we're going to have to slash. That's what I worry about. And I hope that that is not the case because there are a number of really talented columnists and writers who are writing 
for The Athletic. We have more questions to come, uh, and you can send yours in, T. McKernan, at InsideSTL.com. We also have whatever this wager is that Action Jackson. Am I going to come away going, oh, I got a bet on this, or am I going to come away confused? What are you going to tease me here? Tease me. I think it's good food for thought. Mm, I'm going to I ponder. Don't, I don't think you're going to be sold completely one way or the other, but I think it's good data to have. If you're looking to wager this weekend, it's a tough weekend to wager. Yeah. Because if you like to bet on football, you only have one game that you at this moment feel like you know who is going to be on offense and who is going to be on defense as far as the roster makeup. And I'm talking about a game on Monday night, and it's a college game. With the NFL this weekend, only a few games actually matter. So both teams are competing with their full rosters. And then secondarily, even if they are, there are a number of players either questionable from a health standpoint uh, with injuries or with COVID. And so from a betting standpoint and a daily fantasy standpoint, it is absolute chaos uh, when it comes to trying to handicap these things right now. So I am intrigued by what you have. I think I have the game script and the outcome on what's going to happen on Monday night. So when you give me this knowledge, when you give me this knowledge, I am going to be uh, anxiously awaiting what kind of data backs it up or actually takes away from what I think will be happening on Monday night in Indianapolis when Georgia and Alabama um, get together. Also getting together this weekend with regards to football, a bunch of executives who uh, won't be playing, but they will be negotiating, and that is the college football playoff format. They're getting together tomorrow on that, and I want to uh, discuss what I think the move should be for the college football playoff format going forward. So we've got that coming up in addition to Action Jackson's data for wagering. Your questions at McKernan at InsideSTL.com. For questions from the audience, this is Tim McKernan and Action Jackson Burkett here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on Balloon Party, QFTA Day Plus, talking wagering because I am a degenerate. I have so much money tied up on Daily Fantasy with the Century Tournament of Champions in Kapalua (laughs) that I feel like somebody needs to come in and have an intervention with me. Oh, did you have Stuart Sink on your roster, boy? Stewie, Stewie Sink. He played pretty well, though, i got to be honest with you. It's a problem. And I'll tell you this, my wife is not a fan of my daily fantasy playing. But I got it doesn't matter. We're going to we're going to we're going to hit it big someday. Someday we're going to hit it big. But right now I am the biggest fish at the table. Now, you can make the money back that I inevitably will lose this weekend on daily fantasy with this knowledge that you are going to give me and then I am going to run to FanDuel and place a wager because you are about to give me knowledge on the college football playoff championship game. And in during TMA this morning, from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., on 105.7 HD2FM, The Plant, and uh, TMASTL.com, and YouTube, I heard you typing away. And I said, what are you typing? He said, I'm doing some show prep for Balloon Party. I'm like, whoa, look at this guy. And then I asked you in a commercial break what it is, and you have some knowledge. So I am... I don't know what it is, and I am truly anxious to hear what the knowledge is because you have two teams playing in a rematch in a game that went way over the total in the SEC championship game, and Alabama obviously covered, and now they're having a rematch. Georgia minus three, total is 52. Jackson, what knowledge can you give us that we can then send our listeners to FanDuel to go turn millions into billions? Yep. 
Well, so the first quarter over under of this Georgia Alabama national championship is ten and a half. Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Okay. So let's go over some data real quick. Georgia this season, their average first quarter points allowed is one point seven points. Missouri was able to get three. Missouri, Missouri beat the average. Nice, <laughs> big first quarter. And their average first quarter points scored is twelve and a half. Missouri held them under that too. Fight Tigers. <laughs> yeah, yellow pants, clear eyes, yellow pants can't lose. If they just played that first quarter game the whole way. Now against ranked opponents, Georgia has not allowed a point in the first quarter. Wow, 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 wow. I know they shipped Arkansas. Yep. They shipped Arkansas all game long, but they really jumped out and they have not squashed them. Yep. Now even in the the Alabama game, yeah, that started slow, didn't it? Zero. Yeah. Yep. And then their average points scored versus ranked opponents, 4.2 points. So what you're quarter, doing here is quarter. you're clearly setting us up for the under 10.5 first quarter play. Okay, hold on a second. Are you going to zig to my zag? Well, let's go to Alabama. Okay. Their average first quarter points allowed, 3.9. Oh, you're setting me up for the under. Okay. Average first quarter points scored, 9.1. Okay, so that still keeps us... That would that would keep us below. Okay. Now against ranked opponents, they've allowed 4.6 points in the first quarter. Okay. And they've scored against ranked opponents in the first quarter 4.8 points. Okay. The last four matchups between Alabama and Georgia have an average total in the first quarter of six. Wow. The national championship first quarter total average since the beginning of the CFB, CFP national championship, not BCS, 12.6. Okay. So you're saying historically teams may have some nerves and there needs to be a little feeling out time. Absolutely. And we've had, I mean, LSU was one of the best offenses we've ever seen, and that factors into it. So a lot says... What do you have the numbers on what LSU? I'm putting you on the spot, and it's not fair, and I apologize. What LSU and Clemson, that was LSU and Clemson two years ago. What went on in the first quarter? I know LSU wound up beating the daylights out of them. I don't. I don't have that information. But so that's what I have for the first quarter. So a lot of signs are pointing towards the under. Now, a thing that also might help with the under, it's such a small sample size, one a coin flip. For the record, that was 7-7 seven to seven after the first quarter. Okay, so 14. So it barely beats the average of the national championship. Just some food for thought there. Now, for the total, for the overall game, there's been 22 bowl games in which it was a rematch from earlier that season. I can't wait to hear this information. This is the information. This, this interests me more from a wagering standpoint. All right. The loser of the first game is 15-7 and seven in the rematch. Wow, wow, wow. So if I... We're placing wagers. I take the under of 10 and a half. In the first which sounds quarter. sounds scary because it's 10 and a half yeah. in the first quarter against, you know, two rock solid teams. And I'm taking Georgia minus three. I am on Georgia minus three. And what freaks me out is that it seems like everybody is on Georgia minus three. As a matter of fact, I have not read yet from a wagering person. I know you could, you could find, take your pick of, you know, uh, football, uh, ESPN. Uh, analyst or uh, a writer saying Alabama, but as far as a wagering analyst being on anybody but Alabama, or excuse me, Georgia, nobody is on Alabama. And that has surprised me. And also with a long history of wagering, it concerns me because historically when everybody is on one team, 
the other team wins. The other team covers anyway. Yeah. So that that's something that is eye-opening to me. But my idea of what the game script on this thing is going to be is Georgia grinding it out and just running and then also keeping Alabama's offense. At bay. In, exactly. Yep. Uh, and then they looked – Georgia's defense looked as good as it's been all year against Michigan. Going into last weekend, New Year's Eve, a week ago tonight, I loved – Alabama minus 13 and a half was confused by the line was confused by the line and my friend who has become a millionaire from uh, sports wagering and daily fantasy he goes yeah every every uh, model I've run because he's running models where I'm just guessing and listening to you and then deciding to it says uh, Alabama should be minus around 19 and a half and I think that was about the number that they wanted. Yeah, to Yeah, I think by. that was really close. I had a buddy move it to 21, and I think he's... Oh, just updated numbers. I'm ESPN's up here in the uh, studios, and oh, wow. it is uh, now two and a half. So, so that's, that, that, that's the power balloon party, and I'm glad that ESPN <laughs> is listening to watch us move move numbers. For the record, we both took Georgia, and the line moved down. So giving you an idea of how much respect we have. But uh, he, he liked Alabama big time. I did too, so that was good. Uh, he did like Michigan, though. So it's not like this, you know, you don't bat 1,000. You, you, you go 60% against the number, you're in a good spot. Yeah. Uh, so that, that means you're going to lose four out of 10 times, and you still can be pressed like a baseball player. You, you know, strike out or make it out seven out of 10 times, you can still be in the Hall of Fame. So I, I thought about it, and I'm like, I'm looking at this Georgia-Michigan number. It kicked off at Georgia minus 7.5, and, and I thought – I think the edge here, even though that's a big number for a team not known for its offense, is that people are prisoners of the moment when it comes to wagering. And what is everybody thinking about Georgia right now? They're not thinking about the way they stomped on people for the first two and a half months. They're thinking about the Alabama SEC championship game. Don't forget, this was one of the best defensive college football teams we've seen in the last couple of decades. And just one afternoon when they didn't necessarily have to win does not ruin the previous 12 games. So, therefore, I've got to take Georgia because I'm just not sure Michigan's that good because what everybody's remembering about Michigan is beating up on Iowa, which isn't a great accomplishment, and the Ohio State game when emotions were an all-time high. And so, from that standpoint, Alabama's emotions are an all-time high because they're playing a do-or-die game and Georgia isn't. i got to factor that in psychologically when I'm talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds. So, I'm going to go with Georgia. So, I happen to hit on that. I happen to hit on both those. On this one, now, it gives me pause but you tell me right now, I got a wager, I'm going to lay Georgia. And I guess now I'm getting another half point. It's two and a half. That's great. Yeah, it's is, is that line just move? We move lines on this yeah. presentation. And the first quarter of Georgia-Alabama at the SEC championship was at the end was three. Three, nothing. I don't know what I would do with that first quarter. It's one. dangerous because it's such a small sample size and one wrong thing, like a fumbled snap could completely blow it yeah. up. Yeah. I, I don't like variance. I'm anti-variance. But when it comes to it, uh, the one that I would play is Georgia minus two and a half. Uh, they're getting together tomorrow in Indianapolis. Now, the game is Monday night, but they're getting together tomorrow in Indianapolis regarding the college football playoff format. All of the conference commissioners and uh, Notre Dame's athletic director, and they are deciding what direction to take the college football playoff. Expanding it, if they're going to expand it, and if they do, it has to be a unanimous vote if they're going to do it now. Now, after 2024, it can just be a majority. But if they do it now, because of television contracts, it has to be a unanimous vote. we got to take a commercial break, but on the other side of the break, I will lay out what I believe, Jackson, is the solution 
for the college football playoff and also how it impacts and how it could have impacted Missouri football over the last 15 years. That's coming up next on Balloon Party. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the award-winning presentation, Balloon Party. Only on four days and already receiving awards. At Inside STL on Twitter, David, best radio show in the world. Thank you. Thank you for the delicious award. Jackson, uh, I love your Sports Center updates. <laughs> do you pick the content on these? I do. And so, therefore, it's college basketball. So even, like, you know, it's July, and you're going to be like, Missouri basketball, you know, only 200 days away from the Kentucky game. Probably just like draft, like NBA draft That's like what it'll ru- be. rumors. <laughs> draft rumors. Post-draft trade rumors. Uh, we've uh, been discussing college football playoff and the number moving uh, down to two and a half Alabama and Georgia. And the college football playoff uh, is, uh, I don't want to say it's at risk, but the current format is at risk. Although I don't know if a lot of people love the current format, so therefore it might be improved. It just depends on your perspective. You're welcome to text in as we have this discussion here. It is QFTA day on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Text in the Air Comfort Service text line uh, 65780 and uh, get involved on said presentation. Uh, coming up at 11 o'clock... BK and Ferrario, they're at Centene. So uh, you will be able to hear them every Friday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Friday. And then you will be engaged with the Fast Lane following those fine gentlemen with Anthony Stalter, Brad Thompson, and Jamie Rivers. We are taking you to the top of the hour, QFTA, and that means you can send in your questions from the audience or your comments. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com is where you can send them, uh, and we will answer uh, those questions here on the presentation on Friday. So uh, along those lines with regards to college football, they're having this meeting what what do you love about college football? What do you hate about college football? You don't have to be isolated to one. You can expound. And if you don't have an answer, don't give me an answer. I don't want you to become Skip Bayless. Keep doing your Sports Center updates, <laughs> updating me on uh, Missouri basketball, which I know you hold near and dear to your heart. I like the atmosphere of college football. Pageantry is the word I will use. Yes, and what I don't like in the same vein is neutral site games. I, I don't like neutral site games. I like the energy in the stadium to be one-sided, essentially. Now, it just so happens, as I said earlier in the week, the greatest sporting event I ever went to was a neutral site game, and that was Missouri-Kansas 2007, Arrowhead Stadium. Now you That's can a little different. Different deal. It's yeah. a great football stadium, yeah. perhaps the greatest. Yeah. And you have it, you know, what, 45 minutes away from Rock Chalk Jayhawk campus and 90 minutes away from Columbia. Yeah. And you have two teams who are hated rivals going back to the Civil War playing for number one in the country. It was the absolute ideal circumstance. Here is what I love. Here is what I hate. I love that I feel like anyway every Saturday or Thursday night or if you're in the Mac, Wednesday night matters. I hate, and, and this might be my own thing, and I've got a lot of things as we get to know each other. You're going to find out I got a lot of stuff going on. You're probably already well aware of that, though. Uh, And that is when college football coaches talk about going to a bowl like it's an accomplishment. Get out of here with that, Jackson. If you say it to me, I'd come over there and I'd fight you right here. (laughs) I would fight you right here. it's, It's fraudulent. Now, I get it. Nobody's going to sell yourself better than who? 
yourself. Oh. Allow myself to introduce myself. Thank you. Here's how many bowl games there were in 1958, 1951, eight. Here's how many bowl games there were 10 years later, 11. Here's how many bowl games there were another 10 years later, 12. They increased by one from 61 to 71. Then they increased to 16 between 71 and 81. Then they only increased by two from 81 to 1991. In 2021, 43 bowl games, 86 teams. And if you're most programs, you're going to schedule three guaranteed wins. And then you're going to have your one game to cross Power 5 conference like Missouri at K-State this coming year. As the game where you might win it, you might lose it, but... You know, and then if you got Vanderbilt in the concert conference and you got, you're going for it. Okay, so then all you got to do is win two other games. And is that a good year? If that's a good year, then your definition of good is a hell of a lot different than mine. So that is what I have a problem with. I don't mind the Bulls themselves. As somebody who enjoys a wager, great. More for me to wager on. I'm on board. But don't tell me the program had a good year because you went to a bull. Because if you don't go to a bull, that means the program had a terrible year. I mean, a a mathematically well below average year. So that drives me up the wall. And a new problem that we have in college football are players, by the way, understandably opting out. And then you have the guys on ESPN, because they're the ones carrying every single bowl, minus the Sun Bowl on CBS, always a magical Friday afternoon, that they go, wow, I don't know how people can say these games don't matter. Look how hard he's playing, as we need to pump it up. So it's it's also disingenuous. And I'm not big on being disingenuous. So I have to make the observation, it's all a scam. And so with regards to that, I enjoy watching it, but don't tell me it's a great accomplishment. And then don't hold these guys who might be on the verge of making millions of dollars in the NFL accountable for not loving the game of football because they decide to opt out of a game which outcome has zero impact on their lives or their teams. So Matt Corral last week against Baylor is a perfect example, but there are a variety of other examples. I think some Missouri fans were unhappy Tyler Beatty wasn't playing against Army. I would have liked to have seen Tyler Beatty as a Missouri fan, but my goodness, I understand it. So what do we do with the college football playoff that helps tend to the things we love, the pageantry, as you said, in my case, the game's meaning more, and then also less players opting out? Well, it's more players playing in playoffs. Yeah. And it's more teams, therefore, in playoff. So, Jackson, what would you prefer to see? Four teams as it stands, eight teams, or 12 teams? Or do you even want to go bigger? And like, keep in mind, if you're going bigger, now you might have to reduce on the other end. I like eight. I like the five power five conferences to all go and then three at large bids. I, I like eight. That's where I am, too. I like eight. Now... Just for the sake, because if there's one thing Balloon Party is, it's nuanced. I mean, it is so, so nuanced. And we go into the weeds. And we're operating at a high caliber of thought. The one thing about it is, you're still now going to get into, I assume, you're going to say you have five teams and then three at large, which means a committee or are you going to go with computers, a formula? How are we going to seed these eight teams? I'm always against the committee. I never liked the BCS thing. So I would I would lean more to analytics 
than I would a committee. But that's a good question. You know, it's something you have to ponder. You can't have a, a solution to a problem unless you fully thought out that solution. So I'd probably say analytics. I don't like a committee thing, but if they did a committee, I just think eight is better than four, a hundred percent. I wouldn't. What, mind I, what about twelve? I'm is not against twelve. 12? What would be the, so? How would twelve? What would be the logistics side of twelve? So this is where I was going to get you, and you didn't fall into my trap. <laughs> I so am that's, shifty. That's bad. That's that's bad hosting on my part. Speaking of which, text in six five seven eight zero, the Air Comfort Service text line. But here is what I was about to say. You say you don't like neutral site games. Well, guess what? Guess what? The first round of the twelve team playoff would be at the higher seed stadium. Mm. How do you do? Yeah. So therefore, if you like the pageantry and you don't like the neutral site games, well, guess what? A 12-team playoff gets you that. Oh, you're owning my soul right now. That's what I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm Phil Ivey. <laughs> so that would give you the opportunity to see this year Ohio State hosting, I don't know who was number 12, but 5, 12, 6, 11, yeah. uh, and so on and so forth, 7, 10, 8, 9. And then the top four teams, Roll Todd, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati, then host the lowest seat. You know, Alabama's going to yeah. play the lowest seat available and so on and so forth. Yep. Reseeding like they do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That would then incorporate more teams. But can you really sit there and say – the number 12 team in the country, college football playoff rankings. Can you pull those up while I'm sitting here on my manifesto? Uh, the number 12, and whoever it is, you wouldn't say would be even in the same class as Alabama. I know that. It doesn't matter. It depends on the brand. That's how teams evaluate teams more often than the actual talent of the team and the way it's trending. Who was number 12? Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's actually, that did me a great service. I stumbled into a perfect one there. Yeah, Pittsburgh against Alabama. Does Pittsburgh really have a chance? If I'm setting the line for Pittsburgh against Alabama in 2021, and it's in Tuscaloosa, the number would be uh, 21 and a half. I was going to say 18 and a half. So... That that drives home the point that you are bringing in teams that are you're still you're going to kind of have a a great discrepancy between the two. Now, what they would actually do though, the first round would be at the home stadiums. Then you incorporate the Bulls for the next. So at that point, it serves both of our purposes here. We love the home stadiums. We love the atmosphere. We don't like the neutral. We don't like the bowl thing. And then also, of course, not only will you have more games having greater meaning because by the time mid-November rolls around, you're like, well, these five teams are in the hunt. Who's going to be left out? And everybody else is just kind of playing to go to whatever bowl. And then, of course, you get into the bowl and you find out half the team isn't going to play because it's a good team and they're going to go to the NFL and they don't want to risk it, understandably so. And then we do the cycle every year where the SEC loses a game and then somebody who's a Big Ten fan says, see, the SEC is terrible because South Carolina lost a game. Meanwhile, Georgia and Alabama will play for the national championship. It's a bizarro world set of circumstances. So how do we eliminate that? Well, players aren't going to opt out if they have the opportunity to play for the national championship. And so you get more games that mean something in October and November and more games that mean something with more pageantry in the month of December. So I get the 12-team thing. My counter to the 12-team thing is, are we bringing people to the table who have absolutely no chance, and then people will be critical of that because they are going to get stomped in the quote-unquote second round, which would be when the top four teams play the winners of that first round. But here's the thing about it. From a Missouri football standpoint, mm. if even the eight-team format existed, in 2007, Missouri's in. Yep. And by the way, in 2007, one of the strangest years in college football history, 
recent history, Missouri could have won the national championship. In 2008, I don't know if they would have gotten in in 2008. I mean, they wound up in the Alamo Bowl, and that defense was uh, problematic, to say the least. Yeah. 2013, they are absolutely 100%, in. 100%. They are 100%. absolutely in. 2014, probably not. Yeah. They had a loss to Indiana at home, even yeah, though they played was... Alabama for the SEC championship. That was more kind of a ceremonial event. My point being, what this can allow for college football is for it not to be the same programs over and over and over again. And while I love when you have these kinds of runs that we're seeing from certain programs, because then you have the Giants, which then creates the David versus Goliath matchups, I love that. I love seeing that. It also bores more people than I think it excites. I'm kind of like the, the guy who likes National League Baseball. I recognize I'm in a minority as far as the greater population. So bring more people to the table. It increases revenue, which they're on board with. It's good for the television contract, which they're on board with. And from a fan's perspective, you have more games that matter, and then you also have more players playing in games in December as opposed to opting out. It would be an incredible disappointment to me if tomorrow night we find out that this college football playoff in its current format will continue on for the next couple of years until they renegotiate the TV deal following the 2024 season. There is an opportunity for this game to grow. The game does have one major problem, though, at this moment, and I would say it's perhaps the biggest problem going right now for of the four major sports leagues and then the two major college revenue-producing sports. Next to baseball's work stoppage, it's going on in college football. You hear what Paul Feinbaum had to say about it. We'll talk about that next. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the final segment of balloon party here on 101 ESPN. BK Ferrari, they're going to be with you at the top of the hour live from Centene and then the fast lane taking you home from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. here on 101 ESPN. Action Jackson, are you a fine bomb guy? I bet you're not. You got high-pitched right there, so I know you're lying. I don't mind fine, Bob. I'm owning your soul again. I don't really watch... The- you say you don't mind somebody. That isn't an endorsement. I just don't have a, like a strong opinion one way or the other. He has my buddy on, who I went to college with a bunch. Gareth. No, Alec. My buddy Alec. He's a sports writer in Kansas City. So. Oh, is that right? Yeah. John Talty. No, no. He's the athletics beat writer, athletic beat writer for... Uh, here is um, what Paul Feinbaum had to say about NIL and what is going on with Caleb Williams, uh, former quarterback at Oklahoma who has entered the transfer portal. And so as we approach the final game of this unprecedented college football season, what do you make of this new quarterback world? We now have free agency in college football. It's as simple as that. And for those who don't follow this like we do, Caleb Williams was the top player in the country a year ago. He shows up at at Oklahoma. What does he do? He supplants Spencer Rattler, who's the Heisman favorite. I mean, not the the number two guy, but the favorite. And and now Rattler is gone, and 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 maybe Williams, you know, I don't know exactly what he's doing, whether he's leveraging this. But this is one of the most amazing moves in college football history, Matt. The fact that this guy is probably projected to be the number one pick two years from now in the draft, and now he's waiting to see what comes his way, what kind of offers, what kind of deals. That's the new normal in college football. Well, guess what? He has received an offer. You know where he got it from, Jackson? I don't. 
He got a $1 million offer to be the quarterback at Eastern Michigan from former Eastern Michigan quarterback and former Pittsburgh Steelers and Detroit Lions quarterback Charlie Batch, who tweeted at him, Hey, Caleb, CSW, have you considered Eastern Michigan? If not, you should. Game Above Capital is prepared to pay you $1 million for one year. Are you ready to be an Eagle? And that is what Feinbaum is talking about. And I agree with him. This is the whole new world in college football. Missouri fans were on the receiving end of it yesterday with Makai Wingo and his announcement. Not to say that that was an NIL thing, uh, but this is the way that it cuts. Now, if you're a Missouri fan, we can't complain about it if it impacts Makai Wingo when it was the main reason Luther Burden chose to Columbia, go to Columbia, Missouri. Cuts both ways. Cuts both ways. But as far as what I have seen happen with your beloved sport, college basketball, I worry that we were about to see it with college football. And when I lost interest in college basketball, it's when there was a new roster almost every year on the floor. And I'm like, what happened to hating on Fred Hoiberg? <laughs> and now I'm wondering what we're going to see with college football. You have a great year, and you're kind of like in the A-ball class of the SEC or the AAA class, and then Alabama and you know Georgia are the Yankees and Red Sox, and they just start picking off the rosters of the great uh, players on the non-Alabamas and Georgias of the SEC. I like that players are finally getting paid. I think it's the right thing, but I think it's been an overcorrection, and Pandora's box has been opened. All right, that's going to wrap it up, Jackson. It's the quickest 60 minutes in sports radio. It is the balloon party on 101 ESPN. We will shut it down and leave the door open for the boys coming up from Centene. That's BK and Ferrario for Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.